The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com podcasts. The right to be forgotten is a distinctly European right, and Google wants to keep it that way. Four years ago, the European Union's top court ruled that Google has to remove links to information about a person on request if it's outdated or irrelevant. Now Google is heading back to that court again in a case that could have worldwide implications because France's data privacy watchdog wants Google to remove links worldwide rather than just in the EU. Joining me from London is Ian Wilson, managing partner at Brett Wilson. Ian, describe what the right to be forgotten is. Good afternoon. Um, well, it's it, unhelpful, perhaps, because there's no absolute right to be forgotten. Um, it, w- what it is is uh, essentially a, um, a request that individuals can make, and it only relates to individuals, not companies, under European data protection law, that search results for their name and for their name only are delisted from Google search results or indeed any other company's search results um, for specific URLs. So it may be that someone was involved in a, 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 a drink driving incident or something like that and it's coming up number one on Google searches for their name. It's, called, it's having a disproportionate effect on their career and all their personal life and so they can ask Google to delist it from the results so it doesn't come up anymore uh, and Google will have to sort of play judge and jury and, and balance that individual's data protection rights against the wider public interest of, of people looking for information on someone, uh, on, on the public interest in them being able to find information. So now France's watchdog not only find Google $116,000 or €100,000 for failing to remove links from its global websites as well as its websites in the EU. What is France's argument before the EU's top court? Well, it's it's essentially that Google is processing um, the personal data, and by that I mean any any information that's biographical um, of of those based in the EU. And by doing that, Google is um, falling under the uh, under the definition of a data controller for the purpose of um, EU data law. That means effect- Google's effectively a giant database, um, and you're putting someone's name into it, and it's crunching it and spitting out results. And that if it wants to do that in the EU, um, or in respect of citizens, uh, so individuals living in the EU, it's got to comply with data protection law. Uh, and 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 it's not simply good enough to um, fence it fences around European results. It's it's it, it's it's global search results. That's so, essentially um, the French's argument. 
So apparently a collection of press freedom, free speech and civil rights groups side with Google. What is Google's argument? Um, Google's argument is that, and, and there is some uh, logic to Google's argument, that, that um, it's not for one state, effectively, one jurisdiction to dictate what happens in another legal jurisdiction. Um, it goes a bit further this, than this and says that if, 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 if we start... Um, start uh, censoring um, access from one country on the, on the request of uh, another country, this could be abused by um, despotic regimes around the world um, that don't have the same democratic values as, say, the United Kingdom or the United States. So it seems like you know privacy and free speech rights are clashing here. And might yeah. that be, might a, a court in a different country like the U.S. rule differently and maybe prior, prioritize free speech rather than privacy? So does that cause a problem here? Oh, absolutely. Yes, Jean. I mean, I think at the heart of this is a clash of cultures that, that, that we've um, you know, in, in working in media law, we, we've been waiting to see, <laughs> wait, expect, expecting for some time um, since the inception of the Internet, or, or certainly the Internet becoming very popular. Uh, there's a lot of things uh, that the British and the Americans have in, in common and common law background, but there's a stark uh, digression when it comes to um, speech and freedom of expression, uh, free speech, of course, in, free, in the U.S., the First Amendment, free speech is constitutionally protected. Um, in England, it's, it's, it, there is, there, there is um, a, a framework where we're subject to the European um, Convention on Human Rights that provide that has two competing rights, the right to freedom of expression, which unlike in America isn't an absolute right, and various things, hate speech, are actually criminalised in the UK, whereas they're sometimes constitutionally protected in the US. So, so we have that. Sorry, go on. Well, so where do you think this will end up? I mean, you do have the general data protection regulation, which it's forcing companies around the world to follow EU laws because they want to do business there. What do you think will happen here? Well, I think ultimately, I mean, the, um, I mean, it's going to go on to say that, the, that, that what we have a strong uh, uh, sort of developing concept in the in Europe, the, the privacy law, which has to be balanced against um, uh, freedom of expression, free speech, and that's not going to go away in the EU. And uh, and I mean, what the EU are quite sort of robust, and we've seen it before when they've taken on Microsoft and other companies and sort of where there's been market dominance. Uh, and ultimately, you know, the, the, the way forward in Europe and beyond that's been copied in other countries is is greater protection for, for personal data and, as you say, um, different countries trading with one another. Um, so ultimately, I think Google, are going, if they want to trade in Europe, they are going to have to comply with um, EU rulings. Uh, now, we won't know what happened, you know, the outcome of today's hearing until the new new year probably um the judgment will be reserved and um, there's two hearings sorry effectively two applications one today one which is much broader which is probably not going to work it's, it, it it doesn't take into account the balancing act it, it suggests that any sensitive personal data should be 
delisted. Um, that's not quite how it works. You know, they, for instance, if you were a sex offender, you couldn't just start demand that Google remove material. They would probably refuse, quite rightly, not to, uh, quite rightly to delist that where there's a public interest in people uh, being aware that someone has a, a serious conviction like that. Um, but the jurisdictional one, I, I, I don't think is one that's going to go away. The, the, today's decision is actually based on old law, which is no longer enforced. Um, oddly, we've got the GDPR now, as you say. That, that, that codifies the right to be forgotten, in fact, goes further. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think... Um, we shall see. Fun. Thank you so much, Ian. That's Ian Wilson. He's a managing partner at Brett Wilson. Over the past week, both President Donald Trump and his former lawyer Michael Cohen have filed court papers saying they would not try to enforce the 2016 deal for Stormy Daniels to remain quiet about a sexual encounter with Trump in exchange for $130,000. However, Daniels' lawyer Michael Avenatti says the adult film star will not give up on her legal case. We're going to continue to prosecute this case and we're going to continue to try to seek the truth and disclose the truth to what happened here relating to the cover-up to the American people. Joining me is Eric Larson, Bloomberg News legal reporter. Eric, this started with a demand for something like more than $20 million in damages, months of attack by Trump against Daniels and her attorney. Tell us why this complete turnaround. Well, it depends on who you ask. Um, Mr. Avenatti believes that the turnaround is an attempt by Trump and uh, his former lawyer, Michael Cohen, to avoid being deposed under oath in the case, which is really one of the ultimate goals that Avenatti has been aiming toward here. Um, that, of course, you know, would, be, would be problematic uh, potentially for any president in any case. And it, it's, it's something that uh, Avenatti has said would, be, uh, would reveal a lot of information about this dispute. Well, Avenatti, as we know, has gotten a very public profile from this case. He's even exploring a run for president in 2010, 2020, sorry. But can he stop the judge from throwing out the case if there's no controversy? You know, it's uh, it's a really good question, and there's going to be a hearing on the 24th in Los Angeles Federal Court. Um, I'll be there. We're going to find out what the judge has to say. Um, Avenatti has urged the judge to treat uh, this statement from Trump and from Cohen about not defending uh, the agreement as essentially a, a motion to dismiss the case, and he's urging the judge to not do that. He says that if, if it's uh, a settlement that Trump wants, then he's going to have to go a bit further in terms of, of offering uh, a settlement of sorts, including admitting, he did what Avenatti wants, is for Trump and Cohen to admit that that payment violated campaign finance laws uh, by trying to essentially influence the election. Uh, the agreement was from just the month before the election. So that's one of the overriding uh, desires in the case. Also, they want their attorney's fees paid, and they want an, an acknowledgement that the agreement uh, was invalid and illegal, not just a statement that they won't defend it. Well, is Trump saying that uh, he made illegal campaign finance charges, which seems unlikely, but is is that part of the suit? That is part of the lawsuit. That's one of the claims uh, that Stormy Daniels uh, has made, uh, that the uh, the agreement was unenforceable and 
and void because for various reasons, because but also because it was illegal, because there was a campaign finance violation. That's been one of their claims for months. But the judge could throw it out without requiring that from Trump or Cohen, I take it. Theoretically, yes. Yeah, that's, I assume that that is what uh, Trump and uh, Cohen are, are aiming for here. And um, the judge in this case, how has how has the judge acted in prior uh, points that uh, Avenatti has brought up and Cohen? Well, it's it's always hard to tell exactly what it, uh, which way a judge is leaning in a case. They tend to uh, give deference uh, to whichever side is making sort of the most urgent case. Sometimes the early early in the litigation, Trump was able to uh, get an order um, against. Uh, Stormy Daniels uh, preventing her from speaking about the case. Um, and for example, you know, that was a ruling in favor of Trump, but now Avenatti is claiming that that uh, motion, when it was originally filed, as well as the motion to stay the case, uh, were both based on essentially false information and that the Trump and Cohen were misleading the court by insisting that the agreement was valid in order to get those rulings in their favor. So it's hard to say what the judge will think now that, that uh, uh, President Trump and Cohen are both walking away from this deal that they were defending. Now, they, they want a return of the $130,000. Is that based on state law? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I'm not sure exactly which law that, that is based on, but they're, they are saying that they want that money back. And I'm glad you mentioned that because Avenatti says they're not going to. Uh, so that'll be another matter for the judge. Right. So there's still the defamation case in New York federal court against Trump for his statements against Daniels. And Avenatti told CNN way back when that it, it wasn't by accident that they decided to file a separate defamation suit. Is, does that face more legal barriers than this suit? Uh, that case was actually, it was transferred uh, somewhat recently to the same federal court in Los Angeles where the lawsuit over the confidentiality agreement is being heard. And actually that, that same case is before the same judge and will be discussed at that hearing I mentioned on September 24th. Uh, President Trump has filed uh, a motion to strike that complaint um, saying, you know, it's a com- completely invalid and, and wants to get it uh, thrown out before they even do any discovery uh, in the case. Uh, so that will be coming up as well. Um, and obviously that, that case was filed by Stormy Daniels against Trump after he tweeted that uh, she was a total con job when she said that she had been threatened in 2011 to keep quiet about that that alleged affair. Yeah, he's also uh, tweeted other things about her. Now, we often hear Avenatti on different television shows, radio shows, talking about how he wants, he's going to get to depose Trump. Why does he think that he'll get to depose Trump before or if the special counsel cannot depose him? Well, these are, you know, the, the special counsel's investigation is on a totally different track. This is, you know, a civil uh, lawsuit uh, being brought by a private individual. Um, it, there's, there's no reason to uh, assume that just because Trump is involved in uh, this big investigation involving Russia's election meddling, that there, he would be prevented in some way from from being deposed in a separate lawsuit. And I know that Avenatti has said that he doesn't certainly doesn't think that Mueller's investigation is any impediment 
All right. um, and that, in fact, he believes that his litigation is a better route to try to get some of the answers out here. Well, he's probably um, looking at the Paula Jones, uh, int- the Paula Jones subpoena of President Clinton. Thanks so much, Eric. That's Eric Larson, Bloomberg News legal reporter. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.